Hey everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're gonna find two things in this feed. In this season, you're gonna find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois. And you're gonna find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're gonna find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. I'd love it if you get the Bible in your hand. Um, We're working on that this fall. We'll put it up on the screen to help us along, but you're going to get more out of the next few minutes. If you have your own Bible or if you want, you could steal that one in the pew in front of you. Uh, they weren't, we didn't buy them, we inherited them, as you can see. They're from the church that was here before us, so no big if you want to take one, by all means. But you're going to get more if you get uh, what's in the Bible. This is uh, Get Rich Quick, uh, part three. And the message today is called, Remember What Matters. The message today is called, Remember What Matters. Uh, there is so much power in our memory, in what we choose to remember, in what we choose to overlook, in what we put into our brains and what we don't. And that's what the message is about today. I want to read you, um, I want to just get right to it. I want to read you, we're in Second Peter, that's what we're studying this fall. We're uh, in chapter 1 and verses 12 through 15. I want to read you these four verses and uh, I think they're going to be useful to us today. I'm really excited about what's in the message. It was really powerful for those of us that gathered Thursday night. Uh, so I'm ready. If you're ready, just say ready. ready. All right, let's dig in together. Uh, this is Peter, and he's writing, and he says this, Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. That's the paragraph of the Bible we're going to study today. I want to read it to you again. I want to just put what I think are the key words, kind of highlight them for you. I'm going to read it to you again. He says, therefore, I intend always to see it, remind you of these qualities. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right as long as I'm in this body to stir you up by way of, here it is, reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to, keyword, recall these things. What Peter's trying to say and what I'm gonna try to teach us from what Peter's trying to say in this section of the Bible is this. Uh, Memory is our map to find richness in every season of life. Memory is our map to find richness in every season of life. That's what I wanna teach us about today. Um, I was laughing, um, do you remember, it's like kind of an age divider, but do you remember, uh, those of us in the room who were like this, do you remember when you started driving uh, and you, back in the era when you had to know how to get places? Yes. Do you remember that? Where like when you left the house, you actually had to know, like I'm gonna turn left on, Kirch off, and then I'm going to turn right. And it was like, it was, did you ever have that experience as a teenager when you're out somewhere and you like couldn't find your way? And you had to, did you ever, or you had to like stop at a gas station and ask somebody or find a payphone? 
And then maybe this was you. Some people had the thing where I only know how to get from home to places. So like when I leave the mall, I have to kind of swing by home and then I can get from the mall to home to school, but I couldn't get from the mall to school. That wouldn't work. I had to, who knows, just give me a hand. Who knows, remembers like what that was all like. And then technology changed all of it. Where now you can be like, you know, we have a football game in Wheaton and I'll just kind of get, I kind of know how to get towards that direction and then I'll type it in on the way there and that'll take me exactly to where I'm going. It, it changed everything technology did in that way. And what I'm trying to uh, help us see is that when, when I remember the right things about the past, it's a map that I can use to find joy, richness, enthusiasm, no matter what I'm, I'm facing right now. First, a clear memory must be my goal in the present. I must have a clear memory right now in the present. This is what he's saying in verse 12 when he says, <clears throat> he says, my intention, therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. He says, my intention, so my goal, what I'm planning to do, is to keep on reminding you. Before we get to what he's reminding, just get that clear. When something is really important, you keep on saying it over and over. I wonder how many uh, parents there are in school, uh, in the room today who, when your kids send them off, you send them off to school for the year. Every day they get, I love you, before they get out the door. Every day they get, it's going to be a great day, or whatever the thing is. I don't know if you're a, a mom who writes little like notes on the napkin that goes in the lunchbox, or if it's a text when they're on their way once they have a phone, but there's this kind of sense of something is important, and so I'm gonna keep on saying it over and over and over. That's what Peter's saying. He's saying, I'm not gonna stop telling you this exact simple message. I'm gonna keep on saying it over and over. He says, I wanna, I mean, my intention is to remind you of these qualities. Uh, these qualities is what was in the paragraph before this. If you were here last week, we talked about it. These qualities is maybe the most difficult truth for a Christian to understand, which is that on the one hand, the good news of Jesus Christ is free. You can't do anything to earn it. When you have it, you can't do anything to lose it. It is a truly free gift. And at the same time, on the other hand, those who get the free gift do lots of things because they're so glad and thankful and grateful that they receive the gift. They don't do good works. They don't love other people. They don't give money. They don't serve the poor. They don't help other people so that they can get the free gift. They already got the free gift. But when you have the free gift, you're so overwhelmed and thankful and appreciative that you do all kinds of things because of it. That's what, and then, so this is what he said in the last paragraph. He said, now, because the gift is free, you're going to have love and you're going to have faith and you're going to have virtue and you're going to have, it's going to all be growing in you. Not so that you can get it, but because you're so grateful to have it. That is such a difficult truth to remember. That's what he's trying to remind them. Uh, this is the way I wrote it down, which has been helpful to me, that he's trying to say growing from grace, not for grace, leads to a joyful life. That little work, we're doing a little work there with prepositions. That knowing that I have the grace of God, the free gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ, allows me to grow and work hard and do good things from acceptance, not so that I can grab it. It was a, it was a big day in our house yesterday. Carter had, uh, my oldest had his first high school football game. And uh, 
if I sound a little hoarse this morning, I'm feeling a little hoarse. I need a little tea. That was probably why. But the whole, if you know, if you ever played sports or did any of that stuff, you know what this is like. Since summertime, there was a camp and then practice started and then school started and we were practicing more. And every single day along that path, it's this. The coach told me I need to get over there and I'm going to get over there because I want to earn his respect. I want to earn his appreciation because he's the person who puts me on the field and I want to be on the field. So I'm going to do what I have to do. Like, I mean, it was the heat and we changed the plans 50 times. And it's like, my parents are pulling their hair out because it's eight emails a day. And how can we possibly keep track of all this stuff? But Carter's motivation, my oldest son is I want to be on the field when the game starts. So I'm going to do whatever the coach who's in charge says I have to do so that I can earn whatever I have to earn. That's an okay way to operate for a child but I'm so grateful that that's not the way God's interaction with us is framed. The way that Jesus came to us wasn't like, all right, if you go to like 400 football practices, maybe we'll put you on the field. The way Jesus interacted with us is he started with, I'm going to go to the cross before you even figure it out. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He kind of did the whole thing right from the start and then when we figure it out, his grace is there for us and free. This is what Peter is saying. I want to remind you of this. So you have to remember that when you get, uh, when you get bogged down in uh, it's a bad week, it's a bad week, I fell back into the, oh, man, how did I, why did I say that? Why did I, why did I do that? Why did I fall back into that habit? Why did I talk to her like that? Why did I go over there and do that thing? When I fall on my face, I have to remember this truth, my obedience to Jesus Christ today is because he saved me, not to try to earn him saving me. It's, it's not motivated by um, guilt or motivated by unhealthy fear, like if I don't do it or else. I have to get that burrowed down so far inside of me that I can remember it even when it's difficult. This is what I mean when I say memory is the map to find richness in every season. He's saying, I'm gonna keep on reminding you of these qualities. I'm gonna keep on telling you. I know that you, do you see it there? And he says, I know you know, that, I know you know them already. I know that you're even kind of established. I know you've been, you want, maybe people listen to me right now, there's a bunch of them. You've been walking in faith for a long time and nothing that I've said yet, you were like, whoa, I never heard that before. He's saying, I'm telling you not because it's new information, I'm telling you because I have to tell you so many times that you couldn't possibly forget it. You know, there's like that stuff that you learn when you're a kid and it's just like it's so far deep inside your brain you could never forget it. It's like, 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. You're like, what? it's really not helping me much anymore. I don't need that. I could have found it, but it's just so far deep inside my brain. You know what I'm talking about? That's what he's saying. So it leads me, kind of led me down this path. Um, so how well do we remember? Because what I've learned this week is that uh, our perception of our memory is not as good as our actual memory. Here's what I mean. Uh, who remembers, uh, by show of hands, who remembers like right where they were when they first heard about what had happened on September 11th, 2001? Who remembers, who would say like, I could tell you, yeah, good, I know, yeah. And uh, there was a guy here on Thursday night who was like, I was in my mom's stomach. I was like, all right, well. I don't know that you remember that, but we'll, we'll take it, we'll take it, we'll take it, we'll take it. So this was super interesting. Uh, there was a, uh, a study done. A thousand people were interviewed 
the day after 9-11 and asked to describe where they were, how they found the news, what they were feeling, what was going on when it happened, a thousand people. And three years later, the same thousand people were interviewed. And 42% of their answers to where they were, what they were thinking, what they were feeling, were wrong or had changed. What's significant about this is you would think that something as significant, something as important as like a, you know, every person who was alive at that time remembers it, you would think it would all get kind of settled and you would remember it perfectly. But almost half of the people who just raised their hand Science has shown somehow or another over time their memory has become skewed or they don't remember it as clearly as they think. Our memories are not as reliable as we think. There's a lot of reasons for this. I'll read you five or six. Uh, the misinformation effect. Uh, Elizabeth Loftus, a renowned researcher in the field of memory, has shown that introducing misleading information can distort memories. Uh, in one of her experiments, 27% of people watched a video, then were asked questions suggesting there was broken glass in the video, and then said that they had seen it. That when people tell us something about our memories, that in a certain way or at a certain time, it can change our memories. Uh, eyewitness testimony. The Innocence Project that helps people wrongly convicted of crimes get out of prison has shown that 71% of the time when a Someone gets out on DNA, you know, they like thought they committed the crime and then later they found out it wasn't their blood at the scene, that kind of thing. 71% of the time, the reason that someone went to jail wrongly in the first place is because an eyewitness sat in a courtroom and said, I saw him or I saw her. And then they found out later that that wasn't the person they thought they saw. Uh, memory conformity. When individuals discuss an event they both witnessed, their memories tend to converge. One person is able to influence others over 70% of the time. Implanting false memories. Over 25% of participants in a study came to believe a false memory of getting lost in a shopping mall as a child if they were told it with enough intensity that that had happened to them in the past. Uh, forgetting over time. This has been proven over and over and over that our memory declines exponentially over time with the most significant drop happening in the first few hours. This is why if I called any one of you tomorrow and asked what the sermon was about today, even though it was about memory, you would probably say, sorry, I forgot. <laughs> and last, the effects of stress. High levels of stress reduce the accuracy of eyewitness memory. Here's interesting. Although people tend to be more confident in their memories of stressful situations, their accuracy is reduced. Okay, why did I say all that? I said all that towards this one simple and single point. Our memories are not as reliable as we think. Our memories are not as reliable as we think. Our, our memories are not as reliable as we think. This is why we must remember the truth. This is why, especially about the most important things in life, we must get ourselves anchored in the truth. So clear memory must be my goal in the present. And then the text continues, clear memory must be my goal in the near future. Peter continues in verse 13. He says, I think it right. I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. That word there, stir you up, is the idea of to wake, to arouse, to bring enthusiasm to. I'm uh, going to be helping coach a football game this afternoon, and a lot of what that is like is that aggression, loud, energy, come on, let's go, we can do it, that kind of thing. 
That's what Peter is saying his goal is. He says, as long as I have this body, my goal is to aggressively, enthusiastically try to remind you. That's what he's saying this thing about memory. It's our, it's our map. It's the way that we find richness in every single season. He continues in verse 14. He says, since I know uh, that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. It's almost like uh, has a vibe of like a last speech or a last words. And uh, I'm not there at this point in my life, but maybe you are. There's some people. I could... You kind of feel like ah, I might be like in my last lap of life. I don't know how much more time that I have. And the point that he's making is I don't feel like I have that much time left. So I'm focused on what really matters. And, and, and I'm focused on making sure that you know, that you remember who Jesus Christ is and what he's done. He's saying, I, I'm trying to make sure because I don't have it, like that many more laps left. Uh, the, when he's talking about his body in the original language, the literal words he's saying is like, as long as I'm living in this tent of a body, he's seeing the fragile nature of life here on earth and pointing to how important it is to make sure that what I do with the time I have lasts and matters. That's what he's doing. Uh, has this happened to you where all of a sudden you start realizing that you're getting older? Okay, yeah, Ken, I can hear guffawing very loudly from the back. Yeah, I, but it's interesting because he's using here this, um, he's processing the fact that his aging and time is short and he's using it as motivation. But uh, our culture has a lot of different ways of, of kind of thinking through the process of aging. Some people are kind of like, uh, my time here is short, so I gotta prolong it. So all kinds of weird things that are happening in science, you know, with people saying we're gonna live 150 years, we're gonna live 200 years, I'm gonna, you know, like freeze my brain in a freezer and they'll figure out how to build me a new body or like whatever, you know, that, all that stuff is. But that's some people's way of thinking is like, no life isn't gonna be short. I'm gonna make it keep on lasting even longer. Uh, some people are like, my time is short, but I'm just gonna make myself look like it isn't. <laughs> There's a lot of money in that, in our world, denying the reality of aging. So Peter's like, I don't have that much time left, so what I'm gonna do is make use of it. Some people are like, I don't have that much time left, so I'm gonna try to make myself look like I looked when I was a teenager. Vibe, let that sit where it sits. <laughs> Some people are like, um, my time is short, I'll just ignore it. But Peter's message here is my time is short, I must make it count. I must make it count, I must make it count. I must make it count. I, I don't know how many more, and this all has to do with phases of life. I don't know how many more years I have to influence the children God has entrusted to me. I gotta make sure that they know the main things. Uh, I don't know how many more years I have at this company with the ability to influence these people. I don't know, I'm a teacher and I get these nine months with these students. This is my chance to influence them. I don't know how much time I have, so I wanna make sure that they get the main thing that God has wanted me to entrust to them. That's what he's trying to say. I gotta make sure. And then the last part of the, this text is that clear Memory has also got to be a goal, not just in the present and the near future, but the distant future out ahead. Do you see it here? He says, verse 15, he says, I make, I'm making every effort so that after my departure, 
you may be able at any time to recall these things. So you say, not only is my time here short, I'm preparing for the time when I'm not here at all. And what my goal is, is that I'm going to say the things that matter so many times to you with such clarity that when I'm gone, you're not going to be able to help it but still bring them to mind. He's saying, I'm trying to detach your ability to know what's important to me being here. I want it to still, you to still know even after, even after I'm gone. You may have uh, an experience like this. You may have a grandparent who had like a funny saying or a mom who made a certain recipe and you're like, now I can make the banana bread that she used to make and I can make it without even thinking because she taught it to me so well that I don't even like have to go find the card that the little thing is written on. I just know it already. That's what he's saying. He's saying like, I'm not, I don't know how long I'm going to be here, but I want to do so well while I'm here that you're going to know you're going to know what I wanted to teach you. And when I'm gone, you're going to be able to recall everything. Uh, this is the part where the fallibility of our memories really comes into play. Because uh, our memories tend to align the past, get this, uh, with our feelings in the present. So our memories tend to rearrange how I feel right now, our memories tend to make all the things that have happened in the past make sense with the way that I'm feeling right now. This is like, um, you meet people and they're like, I always knew there was something off with that Bill Cosby. I just always knew, I just always knew, I just always, did you? Did you though? Or is it possible that like you're reading the news and now you've just sort of like reimagined whatever you're, you know, I never give that much thought to it, but whatever you reimagine, this is why, um, you know, when people get divorced and someone has to rush forward with the, I always knew you two were a bad match. There was something off about that boss from day one. I always had a bad feeling about that guy. What's happening when someone says something like that is they're taking the way that they feel right now and then lying to themselves about a bunch of stuff in the past so that they can justify the way that they feel right now. And that's problematic for a variety of reasons. This is why Peter is saying, I'm going to be so clear with you for so long that there's no possible way that you can forget. I want you to be able to bring to mind all the truth about Jesus whenever day that you need it. So, uh, because we, I think a lot of us have learned this, that our feelings are real, but they're not always true. Our feelings are real but they're not always true. So Peter's trying to say, uh, there may be a day in your life where I'm not here, and there may be a day in your life where a lot of things are going a bad direction. And I want us to have put in cement who Jesus is and how we get to heaven and what matters here on earth with such clarity that no matter how much you're not feeling it, you can't possibly forget it or change it because it's just like set in permanent stone. Uh, it was interesting. I, I read this thing recently. It was um, one of like the best things that happened to me during the COVID lockdowns was when they put out that documentary about Michael Jordan and the Bulls. Do you remember that? There was like nothing on TV and it was like the one thing to look forward to. And I read this thing that the reason that Michael Jordan agreed to participate in making the documentary 
was because a couple decades had gone by since he retired and he was hearing people start to say that LeBron James was better. And so he wanted to reach into the past and bring the past into the present so that people stopped forgetting and it was kind of set in stone once and for all. It was kind of the idea, which sure, there's a lot of ego attached to that. That's fine. I was fine with it because it went with the narrative that I liked. But we have to make sure, this is where I'm getting to, and this is the part of the message I, I really want us all to get. We have to tell ourselves the truth about our past and our present in order to have the future that God wants us to. We have to tell ourselves the truth. It is so easy to gather around myself bad relationships that want to tell me it's okay to lie about. That's what I mean. I got to tell myself the truth. I got six categories, um, and this is going to bring us towards the finish here. It's this. One, I have to tell myself the truth about sinful things that I've done. I have to tell myself the truth about sinful things that I've done. There's a lot of uh, counselors and friends and Instagram accounts and entertainment options that want to tell you that the reason you got the way that you got or the problem that's come your way is because... You were weak, it wasn't your fault, it was the thing that they did, it was some other thing. And so I have to be able to tell myself the truth. No, some of the problems that I'm facing are because of sinful choices that I have made that are no one else's responsibility but mine. End. And I have to tell myself the truth about that. I also have to tell myself the truth, right, about sinful things that others did to me. A lot of people have been bruised over time in church because those two things sort of got like, pushed into the same thing. So if somebody abused you, that's category two, not category one, and you have to be able to tell yourself the truth about it. If like your family of origin was messed up because your dad took you to church and then screamed on the way home or there was abuse in your family or you, whatever it is, you can't move into the future that God wants to have for you unless you can tell yourself the truth about sinful things that people did to you. It, it, their heart wasn't in the right place. It wasn't just because they were weak. They sinned before God. I also have to be able to tell myself the truth. This is the third category, and it's really helpful when we get these right. I have to also be able to tell myself the truth about bad things that happened that were no one's fault, but they really affected me. This is why like, everybody got so weird and toxic during COVID, is uh, there was such a desperate desire to find somebody somewhere that we can be like, his fault. I don't like being stuck at home. I don't like going to restaurants. I don't like that my kids are going to school on Zoom. I don't like, I don't like, I don't like her fault, his fault, his fault, her fault. And sometimes, and I, please don't email me with whatever news story you want me to read about this because I, I just want to be clear, I will not read it. I will not read it. Mainly what happened during that time was a bad thing that wasn't like totally anybody's fault. And I have to keep these categories clear and I have to tell myself the truth because then when I think back to it, I have to be able to say, when I think about my divorce, my bankruptcy, the, the dream that didn't work out, what's happened with my kids that I wish was different, when I look back at important things in my life, I have to be able to not just go with how I'm feeling today, I have to be able to go to some things that I've told myself the truth about. And this is the crazy part. Until I'm honest with myself about my sin in the past, I can't feel the grace of God's forgiveness for me in the present. 
As long as I'm, this is what David meant in the Psalms when he says, when I kept silent, my bones were wasting away. So I have to be able to tell myself the truth. Now, second whole set, I have to be able also to tell myself the truth about good things that I've done. There's this like weird pressure sometimes in Christian culture to just pretend that we're all bad. And like, there's a lot of people that are, that faithfully give in the church and faithfully serve in the church and do their very best to serve their neighbors and try to be an, adequate, uh, an advocate for the vulnerable and are the one that their work that go out of their way to try to take care of people even though they don't need to. And I gotta be able to say, I was talking at the, we had this morning prayer huddle and I was talking this morning about this in Hebrews. It says that God is not unjust to forget the love that you have for the people around. God sees every piece of energy that you as a mother, that you as a father, that you as a person have given towards loving your family. God sees it all and I have to be able to tell myself the truth that says, I did my best. I gave it my all. I, this part, whatever's happening right now, isn't my necessarily fault, it's that kind of stuff. I also have to discipline myself to tell the truth about good things others have done for me if I pretend that every good thing that came my way is because I, you know, this is like that way in which sometimes the American dream doesn't do us any favors. If every good thing that comes my way is because I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and worked so hard. Well, no, some of the good things that came my way is because your parents worked hard and gave you something. Some of the good things that came your way is because you had a boss who took an interest in you and helped you make this, this, this. Some, like, Sometimes you just need to look yourself in the mirror and be like, there's no way I deserved the girl that God gave me with this face, but God gave her to me anyway, so I'm just gonna be thankful. There, I got into my testimony there for a second. Uh, and then I, last part, this kind of fits, good things without direct attachment to my choices that are just blessings from God. Like when I walked outside this morning, I felt that cool air. I don't know what that is for you, but that cool fall air, I was just like, oh, Lord. This isn't because I deserve it. It's just because you're kind that it's beautiful today. And all of this now, we're coming to the finish here. Peter is trying to say that his goal is to remind himself and everybody around him all the truth. I have to learn to tell myself the truth. But the most important part is that I tell myself the truth about Jesus. That's the most important part. The... Uh, I have to be able to tell myself the truth about Jesus, like Jesus died and Jesus rose and Jesus Christ is coming back for you and for me. And whether it's a good day or a bad day, whether I feel encouraged or discouraged, whether I'm down or I'm up, whatever's happening is I have to be able to recall at any time, yes, today is a difficult day, but Jesus Christ died and he rose and he's coming back for me. And like, I really, really hate, I was just, uh, one of my dear friends who lives in Nashville is going through his second round of radiation for cancer. And I was talking to him on the phone this week and I like, I do my best. I, I go with when I try to encourage people, I just like tell jokes and kind of like mess around to try to lighten the mood, which has been effective for me. And we were talking on the phone and he finally just said to me, I just like, sometimes I'm just like, Jesus, I'm good. Like I'm ready. I, just, I don't think I can like go through this whole path again. And I didn't say to him like, you just need to have more faith. It's all gonna work out. I said to him, here's the awesome news. When you're a Christian, if you get healed and you don't have to go down this path, you win. And if Jesus takes you home, you know where you're going and it's gonna be amazing. And if you go to the end, you win too. It's win, 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 win. I have to be able to tell myself the truth every day 
Jesus died for my sins. He rose for this life right now, and he is coming back for me, and I am going to meet him in eternity when I die. And so it puts me right here then. I must develop my character right now, enhance myself in these qualities, do whatever I can in front of me right now to live a joyful life. That's the end. So when I remember the big part of who Jesus is for me, I'm just, I'm trying. I'm just what I can do today. What I can do today is I got to God's house. I'm gonna just try to stay present and worship him and all I can just do is today. I can just do, I can just do today. And so the reason why this part of memory, uh, the reason why this part of memory is so important is uh, when I forget, it's so easy to lose sight of what I'm, the next step in front of me, the path that's in front of me, so many different things. And so I just, what I came to say today, we're out, we got a couple songs left. And I am so thankful for Jesus Christ that he died and rose and he's coming back for me. And I want us just to lift our voices in praise. Why don't you even stand to your feet right now in a way that is unique and in a way that is full and in a way that is trying very hard not to think about some other moment that is left in today. I want us to give our praise to Jesus right now because he came and rescued us and I am never gonna forget the amazing truth that Jesus Christ died for me. I'm praising you now, Lord Jesus, and I'm asking by faith in Jesus' name that you would be honored as we lift our hearts to you in worship. In Jesus' name, if you agree, please say amen. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is Good News.